welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Welcome, everyone, to Friends and Fiction. We are five writers and friends whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores binds us together. Every week, we come together to chat with each other and you, all to support independent booksellers. We are so glad you're here. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest novel is The Book of Lost Names. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey, and my latest book is Feels Like Falling. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry, and my latest novel is called Becoming Mrs. Lewis. Hi, I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest novel is On Ocean Boulevard. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my latest book is Hello, Summer. (laughs) And this is Friends and Fiction. Tonight, we're doing something a little special. The five of us were talking recently about books that had inspired us and shaped us into writers, and we thought it would be nice to dedicate a whole episode to sharing those inspirations with you. Usually, we push sales to an independent bookstore since supporting local booksellers means so much to us, but we thought we would do something a little different tonight. Tonight, the link we're sharing on our page is to our shop on bookshop.org, which of course supports independent bookstores around the country. So any purchase there will support indie stores, which is, of course, part of our mission. But because we're sharing our own bookshop page with you, we're also committing to giving our personal profits from those sales this week to the American Library Association. Why? Because for all of us, libraries were an important part of our growth as readers and writers. And we know so many of you love libraries, too. So 10% of your total purchase price this week will be donated to the ALA's 21st Century Fund, which gives the ALA the flexibility to help libraries facing challenges. It's a special opportunity to let your book purchase make a big difference, and we hope that you will join us. You can find the link and more information on the Friends and Fiction Facebook group page. We will also give you a link there in case you'd like to donate to the American Library Association on your own, too. So, without further ado, let's get started. I know we usually talk about what we've been up to during the week, but I'm hungry. <laughs> I have not eaten dinner yet, and I have not been out to eat in a million years. You will probably hear my stomach growl during this episode. So, I'm going to ask you this instead, just to prolong the torture for myself. What have you been eating lately? So, seriously, I would love to know about an extraordinary meal you've had this week, the best meal you've had. Entertain my rumbling stomach. So, I have a great story because it involves one of us. I have a guest right now at my house in South Carolina, 
and they are from up north and they wanted good shrimp and grits. And so I went and got local shrimp to cook and I texted Kathy and Mary Kay Andrews and I said, what's the best shrimp and grits recipe? And she said, the one in my cookbook. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> of course. So that is what I made last night. And it was amazing. So. Oh God. So good too. So good. Oh, that's awesome. I wish I, I wish I could tell you I had a wonderful, I mean, I'm not cooking. I, I'm at quote, am what writing, but my husband loves pizza and he makes his own crust. He does everything. So I've been threatening to go on the, you know, the whole 30 cleanse for weeks, <laughs> for weeks. And, you know, with COVID-19 and all that, it's hard to rev up. So last night he's made pizza and it's the crust and we were watching television the girls and I because this is like a commune up here at the mountain house right now and he brought out the pizzas one after the other we were just gorging gorging the best pizza in the world and girls today I am starting whole 30 <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe oh. tomorrow you're starting then maybe tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about how my diets usually go. <laughs> Chris, Christy, how about you? What have you been eating? Um, well, Mary Alice is going to scold me when I tell you guys this. <laughs> we, um, this is really fun. In the summers, we play bingo on Tuesday nights with all of our friends and over on the beach. And they do they have the tables very far apart and it's okay. a little social distancy. Um, but it is just this like old school buffet. It, they're not serving the buffet. You're not serving the buffet. Let me just go ahead and say that. <laughs> okay. but, but it normally is an old school buffet they've had since like the 50s. It's been like the same thing, like every Tuesday night. And it's like fried chicken and baked beans and salad bar and like all these amazing things and like big brownies and ice cream for dessert. It's just like, it's the best. And every Tuesday night, like we go eat and we play and I come home and I have a stomach ache and then I go back <laughs> and I eat it all over again the next Tuesday night because it's so good. And like, I'm never going to probably make my own delicious stand-up fried chicken in my kitchen. So <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, who, sounds... who makes fried chicken? It's so labor-intensive. It is. Kathy, do you? I, I want to hear all about, I mean, yeah. I know we've talked a little bit about your cookbook before, but it just seems like you're the expert in this field. <laughs> so listen about the cookbook and all the wonderful things so, we can make. Uh, I'm so not an expert. Uh, no, I wrote a cookbook a couple of years ago because I could not, um, literally could not write a novel that year. I handed in, um, I think it was the weekenders and I was five months late on deadline and I was so exhausted. And I said, can I write a cookbook instead? So <laughs> It's the Beach House Cookbook. It's simple, easy, accessible recipes, lots of um, seafood, local ingredients. And we just were down at Tybee um, at our house, Ebb Tide. And so we, we cook a lot down there. And um, my husband cooked, uh, he fried fish because he's a fisherman. And um, we did, uh, what did we do? We did something with shrimp. I can't even remember. I went out to dinner with a friend that night. <laughs> but, you know, our garden just came in here. We're back in Atlanta. And my husband planted a huge garden. So last night we had the first green beans out of the garden. As I used my grandmother's recipe, Edna's green beans, which of course That's means nice. you saute onions in bacon. Oh, yeah. And then put in the fresh green beans. And then I made a squash casserole, an old-timey squash casserole, the kind that has Ritz crackers and cheese and butter. 
Uh, it was so good. Um, just, you know, fresh yellow squash, right, literally just picked out of the garden. Summer and, dinner. Yeah. It's, and like it's, had, it's probably on your diet. <laughs> I mean, I don't, maybe not. you lost me at Ritz crackers because I love them so much. I, I would just skim the top, you know. <laughs> And exactly. I had to, yeah, I had to do a, a a Zoom with the book club. So I just said to him, um, "Here, here's some rotisserie chicken, chopped up rotisserie chicken." And so he made. I gave him a recipe out of a friend's cookbook. So he made chicken tetrazzini. So, oh wow! Oh yum! I, so love I, I have not eaten dinner yet, so I'm really hungry. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. What was I thinking? I'm starving to death, and I just asked you all about food. So. <laughs> your blueberries. You had your like your first blueberries. Oh, yeah, I had. A, I picked a handful of blueberries out of the. We oh, are that's lovely. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on before I not start gnawing my own arm off and like desperate hunger at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that all sounds wonderful. And I hope I'm invited to all of your houses for dinner very soon because that all sounds amazing. <laughs> so as I mentioned, we wanted to chat a little bit about um, the writers who inspired us this week, which I'm really excited to listen to what you all have to say about that. Um, and as a reminder to you out there, you can find the link to our bookshop.org storefront on the Friends and Fiction Facebook group. All sales support independent booksellers, and we are also committing this week to donating our percentage, 10% of all sales, to the American Library Association. So ladies, let's start tonight by talking about the books that inspired us as very young readers. Which books from your childhood made you fall in love with reading? Well, I can go, I can go first on that one if you want me to. Um, one of my very favorite books ever was Matilda. Um, by Roald Dahl. I feel like I talked about that here, but then, you know, after all the millions of book events, when feels like Bonnie was coming out, I was like, did I say it here? Or did I say it somewhere else? I can't remember. So I'm sorry if I've already said this, but I'm sure we have some new viewers. Um, but I just, I, that was one of, it's one of the first books that I can remember reading like over and over again, and just being so very in that world of Matilda, this little girl that loved books and she had these magical powers and she had all these hopes and dreams for her life. And she had a terrible life, but books were her escape. And, um, I, it was just, it's magical to me. It still is. And I actually recently listened to the audiobook version with little Will and, um, Kate Winslet reads it. And oh my goodness, uh, it is incredible like I don't care if you have a kid to listen to it with or not like that's great. Listen to it. it's so good but that's that's, awesome. that was just one of my favorites I liked that one for too. me it was the Christ it was the secret garden it's an old classic yeah. and I I've always loved secrets and gardens and old gothic houses and it had it all and even the ending you know the, these three children pre-war and then after the war it was just such a gorgeous book that I I, you know, it holds up for adults even today. Yeah. And I watched every one of the versions of the movies as well, because oh. they're all so well done. So Secret Garden for me. How about you, Kathy, or Mary Kay? <laughs> uh, you know, I, well, I was a big Dr. Seuss fan as a young, really young oh, yeah. child. And I loved the rhymes. I loved the whimsy. I loved the illustrations. And one, you know, I was a newspaper reporter for 14 years. So one of my favorite experiences ever was I interviewed Dr. Seuss on his last book tour. You did not. Oh my gosh. How did we not know this? That's amazing. Wow. I have a photo. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was pregnant with my son, Andy. 
My husband is just delivering wine. I have a photo of me in my little maternity dress with my little Peter Pan collar and my little pussycat bow interviewing <laughs> Dr. Seuss with his white goatee and he had cat in the hat cufflinks. Um, so I think oh, really, wow. I mean, I love a lot of other books. Um, Mary Alice, I love Secrets and Old Houses, of course. So I, I remember reading a Victoria Holt when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. It was called The Mistress of Melon. And I love that book. It had a secret closet in an old Gothic oh, yeah. uh, estate house in Cornwall. Um, and so that book really, really stayed with me. Oh, that's awesome. I can't believe you met Dr. Seuss. No, Dr. Cool. Seuss. Had <laughs> you, you win. We'll just stop the episode that's right. here. <laughs> you say your favorite meal is green eggs and ham. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Patty, how about you? You know, I was obsessed with Nancy Drew. Me too. And, yeah, <laughs> obsessed with Nancy Drew and also with um, Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. So oh, what, I yes. what that's all about are these regular girls who can do these extra, I mean, do you remember when Laura Ingalls Wilder got stuck in the blizzard? How does anybody forget that for all their life? Yeah. And then of course I fell through the wardrobe door of Narnia a little bit later, but I mean, I remember reading Nancy Drew so voraciously that my parents were like, get your nose out of that book. And I'm like, but she hasn't found the clue in the car. The secret <laughs> so, of the, speaking yeah, of secrets. The, the secret, secret of the. Yeah. So um, yeah, those just kind of, they, they were my first loves, um, Laura Ingalls Wilder and, and Nancy Drew. How about you, Kristen? Uh, you know what? It was Nancy Drew also, plus the Hardy Boys and the Bobsy Twins, which, which I know were all part of the They're same. All I think actually they were written by the same author. Yeah, and under different yeah. pseudonyms. But um, by different I, I think, it, are they by different authors? Yeah, they were all published by the Stratmeyer Syndicate. And oh, so maybe actually, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah hired out by different they hired different authors to write them but they were all under the same names really that's making me want to um to look up uh the sort of the genesis of that also but yes yeah you're completely right i was mixing that up um so yeah nancy drew the hardy boys and the bobsy twins and that actually sort of leads me to my next question which was going to be did any of you attempt to write a book when you were a kid and the reason i'm sort of led to that next question is my first novel that i attempted was at the age of six and it was a bobsy twin story (laughs) Um, apparently i thought they were going to be hiring me to write the bobsy twins but wait wait this is what it was about the bobsy twins traveled to Worthington, Ohio, which is where I was living at the time, to help solve the mystery of my dad's missing solid gold tuxedo. Because apparently I thought my dad was like a pimp with no sense of style or something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And needless to say, that book never went anywhere. But did any of you attempt a book in childhood? I was, I have trauma from my book because it was, I was, I I think eight, seven, eight years old. And and if, if you know my books, you won't be surprised. It was called Willie the Wishful Whale. I still have an adult <laughs> novel to write on whales one day, and I will. But I, it was so, I loved writing it and the illustrations and the tape on the end of the lined paper. And I, and my father called me in and he thought I, he asked me who wrote it or like where I got the idea. It's almost like he pulled me on the carpet and didn't believe I could write a book like that. And I was so hurt that I put it in a drawer and I don't think I showed anyone my work for a long time afterwards, but Mm -hmm. I, I showed him, huh? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I definitely wrote when I was a kid. I I would draw the covers and and staple them together. And yeah, um, my dad was a preacher, and so there was always a typewriter like in the middle of the table, and he, there were always you know pages everywhere. And I would write these long books. And then when I was twelve, I wrote my biography. <laughs> Biography because I must have deemed my life worthy. And it, has, it must have been a very thin little book. And it has a really, it's like, here's my family at the beach. Here's me going to school on the bus. And it was very in depth and it was, had a really complicated name and it was called My Life. And I still I have it. I still have you it. were clearly destined for writing greatness from that. My, <laughs> my life. How about y'all? I don't think <laughs> I ever finished a book. I probably had beginnings and um, I can remember um, pretending to type um, because I watched Superman and I was fascinated with Lois Lane. <laughs> Oh, there's a clue to your wanted, future. Yeah, that's why I wanted to become a newspaper reporter because Lois Lane wore, wore adorable suits and cute chic hats mm-hmm. and she typed. And so I had a dresser. She got Superman. I, I had a dresser with a mirror, a trifold mirror, and I would sit at that and I would pretend to type um, like I was in the uh, Daily Planet newsroom. I think that's adorable. That's me. <laughs> I remember having those you little. Know you know what's funny? Sorry. No, go, go ahead, go ahead, Christy. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. No, because that is you. You go. <laughs> I, I was just going to say I did the exact same thing. That's so weird that we were both inspired to become reporters by um, by Superman. But for me, it was because I wanted to be like Clark Kent. Like I wanted to be someone who could just change my clothes and like fly. <laughs> and have all those superpowers. <laughs> it wasn't I thought it all started in a newsroom. <laughs> And you can do that now, right? Like that's part of your writing superpowers. You can. You're not supposed to tell anybody that, Christy. What do you do now that there are no phone booths? <laughs> now I never attempted to write a book that I remember. I mean, I I used to have those little composition books with the like marble black and white covers, and I would like carry them around. I love those. Um, I remember writing stories, but nothing. I, I don't think I ever wrote a book and I really didn't even know that I wanted to write a book until I was like 25 or 26. So not that that's old by any stretch of the imagination, but this was not a, like something that when I was young, I thought even, even when I was in college, I never thought I would write a book. So it was definitely, um, you know, I was not one of those people born knowing that this was going to be her life path. So, but then once I did it, I was like, Oh my gosh, what if I had never done this? I can't imagine how empty my life would have been. And I wouldn't have even known it. Yeah. Mm, right, right. We're great. We're grateful that you did it. What, what would the world be without Christy Woodson Harvey books? <laughs> I don't want to imagine yeah, that world. Such a void. I don't even know what to say. A about sad, it. sad world indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so that kind of leads me to this question. Um, since we're all talking about sort of how we started, who started you though? Who, who was the writer or, or what was the book that solidified your goal of one day becoming a writer, whether it was when you were a child or whether it was in your twenties? Stump. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I think um, I remember specifically when I realized that writers just weren't people on book class. 
mm-hmm. that this great love I had of, of reading came from somebody. I'd never given a lot of thought to who wrote the books. I just felt like the books were the living things, not the people who wrote them. And I've written about this and I have an essay about it and I've talked about it. So this is a repeat. But when I was in college, I found Ann River Siddons books. And then when I graduated from college, I realized and I read all her books back to back to back. And when I graduated, I realized I lived in Atlanta and I realized that she did, too. And then I realized that she went to the same college I did. And then I realized that she was like a living human being in the same city I was in. And it, it just got my wheels turning. Even though I had played as a writer as a kid, nobody had ever said, you know, writing is something you can do. And I remember that was the first time I had this kind of knife, like gut punch. This is a thing that real people do, not just people on book flaps. So I, I always give her that kind of, her books got me started on thinking about how real people write books, not just pictures. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really cool. How about the rest of you? You know, I was working as a newspaper reporter and had two small kids at home and I wanted out. And I thought, well, if I could write a book, I could write at home and be home when my kids got home from school. And so I thought I'd always been a big mystery reader and I started writing mysteries in secret. Um, I would work on Wednesday nights and I um, eventually I saw uh, an ad in the back of Writer's Digest magazine that Sue Grafton was teaching a writer's workshop at Antioch College in Ohio. I'd never been to Ohio, but I was a huge <laughs> Sue Grafton fan. And so I I went to that workshop and I took her workshop and I still to this day don't know what she said that made me believe I could do it. But I remember leaving there and well, part of the part of I think the empowerment was I had a, a, a manuscript conference with her and um, she read 50 pages of my first manuscript. And she said, you, this can absolutely be published. Go find yourself an agent. And, um, and then that night uh, at our workshop, it was a, we, this workshop went till midnight and I sta- stood up and read the first chapter of a new book that I had started. And, and, the, and there was like 100 people in that room, and, and they gave me a standing ovation. And oh she, came up, yeah, she came up to me afterwards oh. and said, this is the book you will publish. Go home and write it. Mm. And I think that was the first time I really believed that I could do it. Now, I had been a writer my whole professional life at that point. I'd been a newspaper reporter for 14 years. But I don't think I, she gave me permission to believe. That's, mm. that's cool. That's really beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I was like very practical, I think. And so I, I think around the time that I decided to start writing or to start working on a novel, um, I got pregnant and which wouldn't have been a big deal, but it was very, very sick. Like I could not do anything. I mean, it was like a disaster. I could not, it was awful. Um, that's why I have an only child. Yeah, I'm just, I'm joking. It's not really, but, um, but I remember thinking like, well, I probably sort of missed my chance. Like this seems like a lot. And, um, but I, I finished a manuscript, um, during that time. And then, um, 
after he was born, I just had this idea for a story and it just would not let me go. And I just felt like it was a story that I needed to write. And I remember my mom sending me an article and I'm going to get this wrong because it was 10 years ago, but she sent me an article about Emily Giffen and how she got her first book deal and then found out she was pregnant with twins and, you know, then had this whole wonderful career after. Not that I thought people couldn't write with a baby, but you know, I had like a six day old baby or something. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? She did this and I can do it too. And I'm going to. And so I wrote Dear Carolina and it was my first published novel. Um, and so it wasn't really necessarily a book per se, but I do think seeing other people, and I don't know if any of you ever felt like this, but I felt like I wasn't the kind of person that was an author. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I guess we all have that sort of imposter syndrome. Like, well, I can't be an author. Other smarter people are authors. Um, cooler people are authors. More creative people are authors. I don't have enough imagination to be an author. Like I had all these reasons that I couldn't do it. And then I think just realizing that like, okay, well, I guess maybe everybody feels like that at some point, or there's always a reason not to do something. You know, for me, it was a little different. I guess I, and I'm listening to you carefully, and it seems really um, interesting that so many of us went and had another author or a conference or something that brought us to the realization that this was real. And I've, I remember I was, we, I was very secluded, and we had a very a strict upbringing, and I was, you know, we, we just read the classics all the time. And I didn't know contemporary authors for the most part. And um, I remember when I was like you, Christy, I was put to bed and with my pregnancy and I had this book. So I never questioned, it never occurred to me I'm an author. I didn't even think about author. I just wrote, but I didn't know how to publish. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had this book and a couple in the drawer, but I didn't know how to publish. So I went to the library, and this was in Bethesda, Maryland, when I lived in D.C. area. And um, a little thin woman with blonde hair came and maybe eight people in the group. There was a little notice in the library writers group. And she talked about the Washington, D.C. chapter of Romance Writers of America. And, you know, it was like, whoa, I'll join. I'll join any group, please. How do I publish? And that woman was Nora Roberts. Oh. <laughs> And she was hadn't really taken off, as we know. She so well did. But RWA, and we talked about this in another episode, really gave us the nuts and bolts of publishing and meeting editors and meeting agents. And I think it's so important for young writers to still do that today, to join a writer's, a professional group where you can get plugged in to editors and agents because... That's how I sold my book. It's not, it's, it, you can have the book in your drawer. And now, of course, you can self-publish. But if you really want to get in there, you meet other writers. And if you don't know them, join a group to know them. Because that worked for me, you know. And to this day, I'm always grateful. And I think our group right here is a supportive group. Yeah. We need, you need your peeps, yeah. you know. And, and you know what? And, and I feel like that's why we try to give writing tips every week, because I, I do think that there are probably a lot of people out there you know, who, who are hoping to write a book one day or who are working on their first books. And, you know, I feel like the five of us are all sort of 
proof that you can do it. I mean, that you can come from any background and write a novel. Like, so, so, I mean, even if you have not met us yet face to face, you know, any of the five of us, please, all of you out there know that this is something you can do and let us be that inspiration. <laughs> and we always try to, yeah, and we always answer questions. If you, if you ask, if you have writing questions, you know, we're happy to help on the friends and fiction page. Well, um, who was yours? Who was yours? Who was yours? Oh, mine. Um, well, so the, the writer who made me know that I wanted to be a writer. And I might've said this, same as Christy was saying earlier, I can't remember if I've said this in here before or just one of the million other Zooms I've done, um, was honestly Anne Frank, because I used to think- Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I used to think that um, that you couldn't write an entertaining book and change the world at the same time. I thought the two were mutually exclusive. And I was this idealistic kid with John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King on my walls who, you know, thought about how can I grow up and make the world a better place and change mm. the world and all that. But then I thought, but I, I can't also be writing books that just make people laugh or smile or feel because those are different. Um, and it was the first time, I think I maybe read it when mm. I was, I don't know, 11 or 12, The Diary of Anne Frank. And it just clicked in my head that, oh my gosh, you can do the same thing. Like you, you can, you can make people feel something with your book and that feeling can help them become a, a better citizen of the world. So, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's still a book I think a lot about. Um, and in fact, uh, every single one of my books has had a character, a very minor character named Anne in her honor, because that was such an important turning point to me. Um, but, uh, you know, I was thinking that next I was going to ask you all about, um, early influences in your career, but we've already sort of talked a little bit about that. I would love to hear anything you have to say if there's something else you want to add about that. But I was um, specifically interested, especially since Mary Kay mentioned that about Sue Grafton. Were there any writers earlier or early in your career, like before you were successful, before you, maybe even before you had that first book deal or before you had that first breakout book, were there writers who did something kind for you, who, um, as Sue Grafton, it sounds like, did for you, Mary Kay? Um, were there writers who kind of helped you or, you know, gave you a blurb when you maybe weren't anybody or, you know, something like that? Yeah. Mary I Alice. want to give a big shout out. It was Nora Roberts. That's awesome. She was, she's a tough when it comes to deadlines and she takes no prisoners, yeah. but she gave me my first blurb. No questions asked, gave me my second one and pretty much said, that's enough, Mary Alice, you know, after that, <laughs> but in typical Nora fashion, but she was there and yeah. she was, she's been there for a lot of people. So a shout out to Nora and she writes for anyone who questions it, Nora writes every one of her books. Some people that, yeah, doubt that's amazing. she writes all of them. And, you know, I realized just as an aside, I should explain if anyone out there doesn't know what a blurb is, a blurb is just the little, um, the little recommendation from another author on the front of your book or, or on the back or the, the inside flap. That's called a blurb. Most of you probably know that, but just in case I sometimes worry that we get into author speak and forget to explain. And it was me who said it. So I had to clarify. <laughs> How about the rest of you? I would love to hear who, who was kind to you at the beginning. Well, every, oh, go ahead, Patty. Okay. Well, every single person in this group has written a blurb for oh, me. So thank you <laughs> to all of you. Um, but Jody Thomas actually wrote my very, very, very first blurb. And I did not know her at all, but we shared a publisher and she was so kind. And she said the nicest things about my book. And I actually got to meet her like maybe the next year at a conference. And um, she was so nice about the book and just, she was great. Um, and then right when Dear Carolina, my first book came out, I was at BEA. And I met Ellen Hildebrand 
And she was so nice to me. I was like, I really want to read Dear Carolina and send me your next book. Um, and then she wrote me an amazing blurb for Lies and Other Acts of Love. So those were kind of my first, you know, my very first, when you're, I'm still terrified every time, like uh, Mary Kay, if you knew how long it took me to send you an email last year to ask you. Oh, no. I hate you. Oh my gosh, no. I was like so that nervous. pre-friends in fiction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was before Friends in Fiction, so I didn't really know you. I'm like, oh my gosh. And like, I didn't even ask. Pat, I knew pretty well before I asked her. Um, so I knew, and I knew she would say to me, like, I can't, I don't have time or whatever. And so that is, I think, where the stress comes in for me. Um, and then with Mary Alice, I didn't even have the nerve to ask her. Somebody else asked her. <laughs> Our, our mutual editor. Yeah. <laughs> our publicist. I'm not sure who it was. Who knows? It was my <laughs> That's awesome. Blurb asking is stomach wrenching. It doesn't matter whether you're asking a friend. For those of you who read the blurbs on people's books, every blurb ask is an act of courage. Because we all know how busy we are and we yeah. know that whoever we want the blurb from is probably busier than we are. Yeah. And the ask is so hard. And we usually preamble the ask with about three paragraphs of, I know how busy you are. I know how busy you are. <laughs> but my story of, 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 of authors who've been kind to me would take up three of our episodes. I have been, as we all have been, um, this tribe, when you find them, have been the most fortunate. Yeah. But the very first real live author that I was, that I walked up to and said, I want to write a book, was Mary Kay Andrews. Oh. I was at a company Christmas party because our husbands work together. And this is about 20 years ago. That's and I had not told anybody in my family Pat knew I was taking some writing classes and he thought my husband and he thought it was a cute hobby. And I, <laughs> I found out that, that Mary Kay Andrews, who at that time wrote mysteries under Kathy Trocheck and her main character's first name was Callahan. I was like, this is fate. This is, not, <laughs> this is the person I'm going to tell my dream. And um, she was so nice to me and I was blushing and I was so nervous and she, we went out to lunch and then, I met Mary Alice years later and right after my first book came out and she was just as kind and let me spend the night at her house on book tour, even though she'd never met me. And then, so just, you know, people swoop up under you through the years. Yeah, you're right. Coincidentally, the first writer I ever met in real life and told was Kathy. That's crazy. Yeah, you know, um, when my first book came out, my editor said, um, who we're going to have to have cover blurbs, cover quotes, who um, we're going to ask Ann, Ann River Siddons because she's published at, she was published by my same editor at HarperCollins. And I said, great. And they said, any other ideas? And, and it was sort of a slam dunk because usually if you're at the same house and you have the same editor, it's kind of a, sometimes a professional courtesy. And I said, yeah, I want to ask Sue Grafton because I took a writer's workshop with her. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to ask Sue Grafton. Um, that's not going to happen. She's not going to give you a cover quote for your first novel. And I said, well, you know, I think she might, because after I took the workshop, I wrote her a note thanking her for everything she'd done. And she wrote back. And then I said, and then when I got my book contract, I wrote her and told her and she wrote back. And so they said, ah. well, that's on you. And so I did write her. Wow. She did blurb me. And she that's was so, so cool. 
lovely and gracious. And uh, Marsha Muller, another great uh, mystery writer, I had met her at a, um, I covered a story that she was connected with. And she was so generous to me. So many, many women, especially, have been so, so gracious and welcoming to the tribe um, that it's really, it's, you know, it makes you understand that you have a responsibility to, to, you know, pass it along. Yeah. To pay it forward, honestly. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It's a completely, it's an important thing to do. I totally agree. Um, so we are running a little short on time. Uh, I, is there any other writer that any of you would like to recommend and not, not recommend, but talk about as an influence just briefly, anyone who influences your writing now or anyone else we haven't mentioned that you'd like to give a quick shout out to as one of your influences? You know, when I was writing mystery, I, I had been writing mystery for a while, and I started reading these um, women's fiction authors. And um, I was reading uh, Susan Elizabeth Phillips, mm-hmm. and I was reading Jennifer Cruzy, uh, who wrote this. I, this book made me laugh so hard. I still remember, and it was called Tell Me Lies. And uh, that book made me think, I think I could maybe write a rom-com. Okay, I have to tell this story. I was, like I said, I was reading classics and my sister, it was just in the 70s, late 70s, maybe early 80s. And my sister, Ruthie, um, sent me a book and it was dog-eared. You know, she'd read this book a hundred times in her lines. with a, And on the thing in Magic Marker, you must underline, read this. And I, it was Kathleen Woodenwiss's The Flame and the Flower. (laughs) And I'm like, what is this? I never, never heard of her before. And I'm like, I was hooked because to this day, I read that book maybe 10 years ago and it holds up. It's kind of like a classic, but it was, she was the grandmother of romance genre as the, the modern romance genre. Boy, that woman can, can write. And I remember thinking, where have I been? <laughs> <laughs> P- Patty or Christy, did you want to mention any other influences? I think, you know, if I start listing influences, we're gonna we're gonna be here a long while. But yeah, <laughs> I, I do know that 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 the that from the classics to Narnia, to Southern fiction of Ann River Siddons and Pat Conroy hooking me in, trying to, showed me what Southern fiction was. I grew, I grew up in Philadelphia. I moved South when I was 13. And even then it was Florida, which we all know is the South, but not Southern. (laughs) And, And then, you know, I ended up in Alabama and I found these writers and, it made me want to be that kind of storyteller. And it's never left me that they, especially the two of them as an inspiration to, to aspire to something to aim for something that you'd never reach, but it's, you can see it and feel it. And so they were, they were always right in front of me as, as an example. Isn't it wonderful when you find an author and you read the book and it's more than just it was a great book. It makes you want to be a better writer. Yeah. It's just that kind of inspiration. Like, wow. This is a, maybe a little more like brass tacks, but um, we've been doing these writing sprints these past few weeks. And 
that has been the best thing in the whole world for me because especially since like COVID and being home and all of this, I've really struggled with balancing like writing and will and my design blog. And, um, there it's just been like a lot happening. And so getting up in the morning and knocking my words out, I mean, I can work on my other things all day long and I know I've gotten like progress on my words done. Yeah. So that has been like the best thing ever. So thank you guys for that. So you have all influenced me greatly. (laughs) Same here. All right, ladies, we are running up against the clock. We have time for two quick reader questions. And while we're answering those reader questions, I also want the four of you to be thinking about one writing tip based on something that a a writer you uh, admire has maybe taught you that you can express to us in one sentence. (laughs) Because this has been such a great discussion. We've been talking for a while. So two quick reader questions, then writing tips, okay? Um, Mary Alice, do you have those reader questions for us? I do. Thanks very much. They're right here. All right, these are from um, the really good questions, by the way. This is from Lika or Lika Haney. She says, Do you talk to your book characters? I think they talk to me. I mean, they definitely talk to me. I feel like it's, um, you know, concerning sometimes. Now, I always equate it to like, you know, how if you're getting ready to have a big meeting or something and you're practicing in your head, like, well, I'm going to say this and then I think they're going to say this. That's how I feel about it. Anybody else, Patty? I don't do it out loud, but I definitely carry on imaginary conversations in my mind. Just like when somebody says something and you think of the great comeback the next day and you're like, oh, I wish I would have said that back to them. Um, I feel like that with my characters. I think about it and then I can go. And in a book, you can go back and have the witty comment right up. Think of fiction. Yeah. 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 And anybody else or Mary Alice want to ask another I'll question? Ask the next one is from Michelle Marcus. And she says, did you all have other careers before writing? And then how long did you keep that other career? How long did it take you to become a full-time writer? Hmm. Okay. Want to just go around? Patty, we know you things. were a nurse. Yeah. And we know Mary Kay was a newspaper reporter. But how about the second half? Let me reread it. Um, how long did you keep your other career and how long did it take you to become a full-time writer? Which is a good question. I, I was a magazine writer um, for many years and I continued to be a magazine writer um, during uh, publishing my first six books. So it took me six novels and then on to my seventh before I was able to just be a full-time writer or full-time novelist. I was a nurse for, oh gosh, 10 years. And I let my nursing license, I was a pediatric nurse, and I let my license go and didn't renew it when my third book came out. Wow. Wow. That's a big decision. It was huge. Yeah. I actually worked in finance um, before, which I don't think I've ever talked about here, uh, before I was writing, but I had written for newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing, like for, you know, a long time. And I still did a lot of freelance work um, alongside my financial job. Um, and had started Design Chic, never expecting for anything to come out of it. And so about the time, I think about the time that Dear Carolina was being published, um, Design Chic had been around for about five years and had really started to become like a real business. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, between the two of these things, like, I think I'm okay. And I can't do anything that I had will. And I was like, I can't do all of these things. And um, so I, I was just doing uh, Design Chic and writing, but it yeah, so I was lucky in that way that I could sort of um, 
you know, at least be working from home all the time, even if I was working on something else. What about you, Mary Alice? I was a teacher. I was Japanese. My graduate degrees was all in Asian studies. So I was a teacher, but it turned out I actually ran a program for English second language for all the boat people that came over in Wisconsin. So I didn't speak Vietnamese or Cambodian, but I had the cultural background. So that was interesting, but I only did it for a few years before I was put to bed with my pregnancy. And I wrote my first book and it sold. And that was that. Wow. But I have to say, I was a full-time mom at the time. And those early years, really, you know, you don't make enough. I, I was fortunate that I didn't have to do another job. And I think that's a tough choice if you have to go out and work. Because I could find time to write while being a mother, but I didn't have to do anything else. Yeah. So it took a while to make enough. It took several years before I made enough to say, okay, I can actually pull my weight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Mary Kay, how long did you write work as a, uh, a newspaper reporter while you were writing books? I um, I was a reporter for 14 years. I wrote the first, I completed a novel that never sold um, while I was still working at the paper. And then my first book, my first published book sold. And, um, and I quit as soon as I handed it in. <laughs> I had a book contract. I had a two book contract with Harper Collins. And so um, I turned the book in and then I quit my job. Oh, I love that. Interesting. All right. Quickly, we are so running out of time, everyone. We always have so much fun just talking to each other. It just goes on and on. It's wonderful. Um, anybody have a quick writing tip they want to share? Mine would be just if you're, and, and based on Anne Frank, who influenced me, um, it would be that if you're going to put your heart in your novel, make sure your heart's in the right place because other people will be moved or swayed by it. And it doesn't mean you have to go into it with an agenda. But um, I think when you're you're coming from a good and pure place, your book will too. That's my tip. <laughs> I love Mine that. Is quick. Oh, go ahead, Patty. You go first. Um, I know it, it seems shocking, but I'm actually a big Stephen King fan. And I read his books a lot when I was in college. Not the true horror, but, you know, The Stand and some of his other ones. I, I just thought they were amazing. And so when I picked up his book on writing, my he has great writing advice in there. But short and sweet, my favorite is to write with the door shut and open, edit with the door open. Ooh, and I, I love, love that. I love that. Um, write as if nobody's going to read it, but edit as if the door is open. Love it. That's really great. Well, I was going to say mine is real short. It's a famous line. It's not original. Show, don't tell. Yeah. I'm always interested when new young writers out there um, tell the story and to show them how to write a scene if from the point of view of the characters using all the senses, it's night and day. So show. And if you don't know what that means out there and you're a writer, look it up and study it. Because I can't go into it now. <laughs> we forgot too. <laughs> I, remember, I, I heard Elmore Leonard speak a couple of times. And I was a big Elmore Leonard fan always. I loved his caper novels. I loved his, uh, he was so snarky. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember his number one, people, someone asked him, "What? how do you attribute the success of all your novels? Uh, you know, all these books made into movies. And he said, I leave out the parts readers skip over. I oh, love man. that. Yep. 
<laughs> I, I'm going to have another Stephen King, and y'all know that I do this. Um, he, uh, in his book on writing, he said to write 2,000 words a day. I started that way, and I still do it. So, so far, so Oh, good. he said that. Interesting. Yeah. He, said, he also like- said it only takes three months. It shouldn't take you longer than three months to write your novel. Well, that's Chris, Christy, you knock your, your you knock your two thousand words out in like fifteen minutes every morning. But, so. but I'm a super fast typer too, and I know y'all think that's funny, but I, honest to goodness, I think that's part of the reason that I can do it really fast because I can type like I, I need to look up how many words a minute I can type. It's really fast. It's more than us. We know that. We do. Whatever it is, it's more than us. <laughs> All right, everyone, this has been such a great night. Christy needs to, you know, write an entire two chapters in the next 10 minutes. So we should probably give her the time to fingers flying and do that. No, thank you everyone for joining us tonight. Um, This was wonderful, ladies. It was so cool to get such an insight into what influenced all of you um, and kind of what makes you tick as writers. So everyone out there, again, you can find us all week long on the Friends and Fiction page on Facebook, where we do our best to answer your comments and questions. We're live every Wednesday night at seven and you can find old episodes on our website friendsandfiction.com one more reminder if you buy any of our books through the bookshop link on our facebook page now through saturday night we will donate our whole commission 10 percent to the american library association so thank you all so much for being with us tonight on friends and fiction thanks to my fellow authors thanks to everyone out there and everybody good night good night good night you've been listening to the friends and fiction podcast Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com, as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.